Hi, I'm Leslie Lapage, the director of the La Femme International Film Festival, and this is a podcast for people who are interested in advancing their career in television and film and learning all the dirty little secrets of Hollywood. Today's podcast is something really exciting. We have a series of interviews from independent female filmmakers worldwide who have created content screening at the La Femme International Film Festival for 2021. But more excitingly, these are the women to watch. You're about to hear their stories, their lives, and their struggles to accomplishing the goal of getting their content to screen. Who are they? Well, listen and find out what these women are up to on the festival circuit and what kind of art they're creating. We are joined by uh, Marietta Melrose and Marietta. Obviously, you are doing what next uh, as a creator, actress, producer, obviously, and comedy. You, what next? And, but it's hashtag <laughs> what next, right? Exactly. Hashtag what next. Um, actually, this is a very personal story to me. I moved to L.A. right after college and I called my mom and I was like, you know what? I want to stay here. I moved out on a tourist visa, not realizing how I'm going to make it work. And, you know, with with immigration, it takes a while and it's a very complicated process. And I started interning in this PR agency, having access to a lot of reality TV stars and social media influencers. I just really wanted to learn how the industry works. What I didn't realize is that they're really difficult to work with. And, uh, <laughs> I worked with an influencer with millions of followers who's always in the press for all the wrong reasons. And I had to do that while staying under the radar because I didn't have my um, work status and I was just an intern. And, Are you Canadian? Um, well, people tell, you from? people tell me I'm very funny. I uh, did Atypical, which is comedy. And uh, I really have that like weirdo comedic um, thing going on. Um, so that that's how the story started. And with the hashtag pay up for pay up Hollywood, I feel like assistance and support team in Hollywood are really not valued for the value that they bring in. They're not paid enough. They go through a lot on daily basis. They're constantly under pressure, and nobody gets to see that what's happening behind the scenes. And I realized that all those stars and influencers actually can't do anything um, without the support team. And that's what really What Next is about, about this 20-something-year-old Eastern European immigrant who is constantly facing self-doubt and trying to prove herself whilst having the additional challenge of how am I actually going to legally stay in this country and make Mm -hmm. it work? And with that additional obstacle, we see all the comedy um, happening and what I really, you know, I'm hoping the audience to take out is create that empathy because you, you we meet people constantly on a daily basis and you don't know what what's their status in that country. And Americans who were born and bred here actually don't realize the privilege necessarily to True. Have, to like be born here and have that opportunity. And yeah. the other thing is being Eastern European myself on TV, we see those characters always not being able to speak English, somehow not being intelligent enough. And we Mm. see that girl and perhaps you don't realize that she is Eastern European, but Mm. she has that constant tension going on throughout the short film. We're here with Christina Rose. Christina, it is a very interesting topic. It's something that we're starting to see a lot of 
A Woman's New World. Uh, you got this. I, I got to ask, uh, what was the thoughts behind what you wanted to do? And then did it, did it turn out exactly the way you wanted uh, with this? Yes, it did. So I really, we're, we're kind of doing a bigger uh, series on women in underrepresented industries. And I was shocked because I didn't notice uh, that female conductors are very much underrepresented. Uh, just about 11% in the top 20, 21 orchestras in the world right. are women. Um, and we're not even talking about composers because they're even lower. And so, but we really wanted to feature a female conductor. I was lucky enough to come across Tiani Lu, who actually had her debut at the Hollywood Bowl uh, this year. So she's one to watch for the future because she's quite amazing. And I think she's going to do great things for decades to come. Well, I, I can tell you right now, um, it is more than just waving a baton, right? It, it, what did you learn, Christina, by doing this particular uh, feature? Actually, I, I learned so much, I have to say, because there's so much more than goes into being a conductor that I, I, I have to admit that I was really naive, that I didn't know that really Tiani will study these uh, pieces for months before she actually performs them. And wow. th the thing is, even uh, Dvorak's piece, which is one that really is close to her heart because it's something she grew up with. And obviously we touch upon it a little bit in terms of um, uh, the, the subject matter because Dvorak you know, wrote it um, when he was in the US and uh, when he came back uh, to Europe basically to it's a very nostalgic piece that, that has ties into her childhood. But even that piece is a repertoire she will go on to perform multiple times um, uh, many years. And even when we were with her, she was studying it again. And she's like, oh, there's something that I didn't see or didn't recognize. So even right. years after, she still finds new things about that piece, which is to me fascinating. Joining us right now is Colleen Gallagher. Colleen, welcome for the first year ever to the La Femme Film Festival 2021. Thank you, Aaron. I'm super excited to be here and interview and highlight these amazing directors and writers. Um, it's going to be a pretty epic time. Yeah, yeah and, and next uh, with us, Rosana uh, Diaz-Costa, A World for Julius. I understand this is a Peruvian movie. You're the director and writer Let's jump into this. This is a pretty amazing story of its own. Yeah, well, hello. Thank you very much for, for, for the invitation here. And yes, it's, a, it's, a, it's an adaptation of a very popular novel here in Peru that is called the same, A World for Julius. And, and well, this is like a whole event here in Peru, no? because it's been like a novel that for years that people have, have asked for an adaptation, no? and they wanted to see the the the, the novel in, in 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 the cinema, no. And well, right now we're we're in the point of, of of really showing here in the movie theaters too in November. That's so exciting. And one question that I had for you is, I was wondering, what are you hoping that people take away with, as it was in the world of Julius, through his eyes, understanding the injustices and inequalities? Like, what are you hoping that people take away from that? Because I thought that was so fascinating. Well. It's a story of loss of innocence, right? So mm -hmm. I think that anybody in the world can understand that, no? The, the idea of losing the innocence because you discover a world full of injustices and discrimination and racism, no? And, well, the, the, the film is about that. And I think that although it takes place, you know, in the 50s, 
it's 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 a it's a story that 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 is from this time. It's completely in the present. No, well, at least in this country, well, the same things take place all the time. No, and and well, in most places of Latin America, this is a, a reality until now. No? So, I, I hope you know because I made the film thinking also in big children. No, the the, the, the parents go with their their children of the same age of Julius. No, and and you know, and so you can. Think about you know our reality and and you know starts a dialogue after this you know about this type of problems that should not exist in the world until now you no know? many many years have passed since the 50s until now. Mm -hmm. We are here with somebody that I'm telling you right now I've already got a lot to learn from uh, Robin Stalson. Adventures of Zizwi. Did I get it right or wrong? <laughs> I can guarantee you right now I'm learning. No, you got it correctly. It is the adventures of this way. And um, uh, sadly, I'm not seeing myself on the screen. I'm seeing a double of Rebecca. But um, <laughs> we see you. <laughs> oh, well, that's important. Very good. Yes. I, won't, I won't get distracted. But the adventures of this way um, is a spiritual animation series. And um, this is a little Zulu girl. And the idea came to me as I did a lot of spiritual um, esoteric travel around Africa. And I've always been interested in the country uh, of South Africa and the continent of Africa. And I was very fascinated by the, um, the indigenous wisdom that uh, these you know, young, young women have, this young woman had. And so the idea of the entire series is to be able to use indigenous wisdom of the ancestors of three mystics. One of them is from South Africa, that's Zizwe. Her friend is from, uh, is a Celtic. There's a, a Mayan um, uh, girl as well. And then there's also a lady from uh, the Aboriginal, from the, uh, the Aboriginal um, cultures. And they come together and the whole idea is to use their ancestral wisdom to solve the world's problems. Because clearly, what we've got going right now is not doing a whole lot of good. So the idea is to build a sense of pride and a sense of um, uh, a sense of pride and a sense of knowledge that the wisdom of the ancient cultures can certainly be of great use in today's uh, world. We're here joined by Alex October. It is a feature film. It is one in which we cannot wait to talk about this. It is uh, one where a hopeless man places a bizarre classified, but his plan to kill himself takes a turn when dot, dot, dot. Uh-oh, I don't know what to do. <laughs> what was the, like, the, the, the thought behind this just to make this into a feature? The hopeless man, of course, getting the classified. I, I, that, that already leaves me going, what happens next? Josh Hope, our writer-director, um, he wrote this script while living in Chicago, and it was something that was really important to him at the time. He probably could better speak to about why he wrote it, but I just know when I, I met Josh at a film festival years ago that our film was paired in together, and I read this script. We wanted to, after meeting each other and getting to know each other, we were like, we really want to work together on something, and he had sent me a few of the scripts that he'd been working on. And this one in particular, after I read it, I was like, we have to make this. I don't care how, I don't care what we have to do, but this movie has to get made because people need to see this. People need to feel hope. People need to be reminded that everyone has, you know, their own struggles that they're dealing with and the kinder that we are to, to people, you know, one small gesture can change someone's day or even their life without you realizing it. 
And I just thought the whole overall theme and the the story was just really moving to me when I first read it. Well, I, I'm looking at your website as well. Uh, do you guys want to give that out? Yes, it's alexoctobermovie.com. Hello. How are you guys? Hi, Colleen. Hi. Uh, oh my gosh, I'm super excited to be here and to talk with you guys about this. So you guys did a, doc a documentary, Autonomy of Wings. Or, yep. And so first when I read it, there's a little thing that said like you just had this idea. It was going to be like a, a few weeks that you were doing and then the documentary went on for a few years. Or is that just in the movie? It's all in the movie. <laughs> okay, that was good. Yeah. But but this is just so fascinating to think. And, and, and I love the topic. I, so everyone who doesn't know, it's really going to have awakenings come through on racial inequality, right? That's really brought to, to some light with this. And it's fascinating. That it was like something that was brought for a few weeks, turns into a few years documentary. And I guess, what do you really inspired or hoping people take away from this? I know that we really hope that people feel inspired to, to have these kind of spaces within their own um, mentorship groups and, and within their own spaces um, with young people. Um, we really had a, a time together where we were um, present with each other and we were able to bear witness to each other's life journey becoming women. So I know that's something that we definitely look forward to. We, we have been very blessed to be showing the film um, both um, within the United States and abroad for a little over a year now. Mm -hmm. And a lot of folks are asking us how we did what we did, which was uh, we came together across very diverse and different neighborhoods in Baltimore City that, you know, even to this day, we'll still experience a lot of separation and even in some ways segregation. And we just, we basically came across age, race, class, and made a space where we could investigate um, what conditions are needed to really see and hear each other, what conditions are needed to really engage empathetic witnessing. You know, so our hope is that folks will want this too. Hello. We're here with Catherine. Hello. Hello. How are Hi. you? I am so good. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, we are glad to have you. Uh, Borea, Borel, hold on. Bor I, uh, Borelia Borealis. Thank you. Did yes. I get it? <laughs> Tongue twister. <laughs> it's very yes, fun to Lyme say. Lyme disease. Yes, yes. It it's, a, it's a play on words, but that's the main bacteria of Lyme disease. Oh, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So Borrelia. tell us about <laughs> Borrelia. It's a very pretty, way too pretty of a word to be for Lyme disease, but okay. it, That's what I thought, actually. <laughs> I remember sitting down with my doctor in January of 2020 uh, after just 25 years of being sick and not knowing why. And uh, my digestive system had pretty much shut down. I was looking at a lot of really Yikes. serious health problems. And they said, you have this, this disease, this Lyme disease, which uh, the root word is Borrelia. And I thought, that is such a beautiful word for such a horrible thing, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so, uh, and then the world shut down just a few months later after that, you know, with COVID right. and I was just beginning my treatment and going like, what is the meaning of life? I've been sick for this long. And sort of the, the fog I think was lifting as I started the treatment. And I was like, I'm making a movie out of this. We have to document this. Yeah. I don't so think I've are. ever seen anything 
uh, on Lyme disease or many autoimmune, you know, kind of diseases in a film. Yeah. Yeah. And I had, I was so new to this. Like I didn't identify as a sick person, I suppose, because when they tell you, you have this, if they don't catch it in the first six weeks, uh, you become someone who has chronic Lyme disease or eventually what I got, which is late stage Lyme disease, which sounds really scary, which it's, it's not the same thing as like, you know, late stage cancer or anything like that. It just means that this is something that you have in your body and you're going to have to find a way to, to live with it, to treat it sort of constantly throughout your life. And I thought, well, and, the, and then again, the world sort of shuts down and you're like, Ugh. now what? <laughs> what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> so it was a lot of really overwhelming feelings. And I, I wanted to sort of document that experience of this girl that is trying to handle taking hold of her wellness for the first time and taking all of these sort of scary supplements. Uh, but really what it gets down to with Lyme is, you know, we talk about self-care a lot and you think like bubble baths and, you know, I'll have some chocolate and watch a rom-com. And it's so much more than that. And myself having to, to force myself to learn what self-care actually really is, which is eating very well, taking care of yourself, sleep. We are joined by Brazen Hussies, the entire team, uh, Philippa Campi, Catherine Dreyer, and Andrea Foxworthy. Uh, okay, I'm going to say Brazen Hussies. Uh, am I saying that correct, first of all? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, because because like I I know I'm gonna get like slapped when I say hussy. Uh, but for those <laughs> that don't know the story, can you share with us it? Yeah, for sure. Um, so brazen hussies is the story of the women's liberation movement in Australia, and brazen hussy was a term often used uh, to put down women, and it ah. was um, something that was reclaimed by the movement. It's not really as powerful as it used to be. It's not really an insult. It's kind of something I'm proud to call myself. Got it. In other words, I, I should be careful still using the word, like just out of nowhere. <laughs> say it with a bit of sass, I think. Got it. Okay. All right. Uh, can you help me, Andrea? How should I say it? I think you, you do it well. Raisin hussies. See, that's how you say it. It's, okay. Okay. <laughs> Uh, look, coming coming together on this project, obviously, you pulled a great team together. It looks like you guys are tuning in from everywhere around the world, another production like that. Um, what's that like, bringing all of your talents in? Who would you say you've learned from the most of each other? Uh, Catherine started this project um, many years ago now, um, having worked on a film called She's Beautiful When She's Angry, which she worked on in New York, which is the history of the women's liberation movement in America. Um, and then came back to Australia and wondered, like, how come we didn't know our own history? Uh, so got in touch with some, networked with a few producers here in Melbourne where we all live and ended up working with Andrea and I as producers on the project. Um, so that was that was a long time ago and it's been a long time in the making, but mostly due to Catherine's incredible research as well, which she did for years and years, um, kind of covering the entire history of the Australian women's movement here. We are here, followed by uh, Camino Faith Walk, Peter and Kristen. Thank you for joining us. Look, I understand that this film uh, is going to be one that many people are going to walk away from. And some might even say, how did these two make it work? Because you guys are already a loving couple. I don't know. Did, do you end up going like, can we just take a moment and not talk to each other? Because this is stressful making a film. 
I know. I don't think that ever came across at one point. Someone asked us, aren't you two ready to not walk together? And we're like, no, no, I think we're good. (laughs) That's when you know you've got it. (laughs) So for those who are familiar with our film, Camino de Santiago Faith Walk, is our pilgrimage. In 2019, we both left our careers and we needed a place to pivot. So we made a goal to travel to the holiest places in the world and document the commonality between religions, what brings people together, how we are all similar. So this film is the first leg, if you will, of our pilgrimage. So we walked 500 miles across Spain and we carried 20 pounds of camera gear in the backpacks that are behind us. And we documented the lives of pilgrims who we came across and how they changed our lives. Yeah, I'm, wow. I'm looking at the uh, the trailer, and I will say this. Um, you know, first of all, I see why you married him so he could take all the equipment. That's number <laughs> one. <laughs> He's you're built like a rock, Peter. Did you find yourself like coming back with more faith than you went? It was it was a evolution because when you walk and when you travel at the at the pace of your own footprint, own footsteps, mm-hmm. you really get to process. So. Um, yeah, it was it was tremendous and it evolved over time. And this film, I think, has been a faith walk in itself. At first, we just knew that if we were to do the walk, we had to have a bigger purpose. And that was to be able to share this pilgrimage with people who might not physically be able to walk it in this lifetime. Yeah. And so then we came back and we had 300 minutes of edited footage of every single day of what happened. And then we realized, hey, if we cut all the junk out and focus on the most important moments. I think we've got a documentary and now we're so honored to be in this film festival. So the, the making of the film itself has been faith building. That's right. And I'm super excited. We have the filmmakers, Elizabeth uh, and Malka. Thank you so very much for joining us. Talk to us. The film, I know I'm going to mess it up, but it starts with a K, it ends with a Z, and it's got a dot at the end. What's it called? Klutz. Okay, it was Klutz. I, I didn't know if they had like the I little... want to call it Klutz now because that's just oh, such wow. a fun word to say. Yeah, right? Klutz, Klutz. In, in certain international waters. Look, talk to us about your uh, your project. Obviously, you made it. You're here at the La Film, uh, Film Festival. Talk to us. Okay. Help us out with this uh, project. The film is called... Plus, uh, and it's because it's about a woman who keeps tripping um, over herself and her life and everything that she's going through. Um, and so I, uh, as the writer, decided to take that and see what it would be if it turned into something literal. So when you are going through uh, something tough in your life and you just keep tripping over yourself, what does that look like? So I, I gave Malka, our beautiful heroine, um, the challenge of literally having to trip over everything to figure out her path in life and struggle through the grieving process. And what was that like? Did you get a body double for that? I did not. (laughs) Did you Uh, injure yourself at all? (laughs) I did actually injure myself. Um, I uh, broke a cup accidentally. I missed, I was throwing it onto a pillow and I missed the pillow and I shattered a mug um, and a tiny piece lodged in my foot. But our amazing team was just like on top of me with like medical care. And like, I've never felt so taken care of before in my life. And it was that, my own doing. So, 
Well, that, that, that is a method actor. You do understand that. So now you're ready for, you know, of course, like Matrix 8, right? Um, obviously, Elizabeth, you know, putting a project and a team like this together and finding Malka for it. Um, how long have you been working on the process to get it to now we get to watch it as part of the, uh, you know, La Femme Film Festival family? Um, well, I, it actually came together rather quickly. Malka has an amazing theater company uh, in New York and I had worked with them before and we became fast friends through Shakespeare and all the goodness that is doing theater in New York. Um, and so at one point we were talking about, she came to me to write something for her theater company. Um, and then it, it tumbled and tumbled and tumbled like we like to do and turned into, well, let's, let's produce a short film instead. So um, she said that in, I guess, July, and we were shooting by December. Yeah. Wow. So pretty, pretty quickly, we, you know, just went draft, 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 and had lots and lots and lots of readings and uh, put together our team, and now we're here. Hi, how are you? Hello, hi, Queen. Hi, is it I from is, Taiwan? It's Yihui. Yihui. Okay, perfect. I want to make sure I said yes. it right. I'm super excited, and you're come, and you're in Taiwan right now. Yeah. Oh, amazing! Well, I'm super excited to talk to you about the black kite, um, and I love that you are touching on a topic of totalitarianism. Um, so, I wanted to know first, what inspired you to share about totalitarianism through a father and his daughter? This film is about the white terror area and even though I'm not a vic direct victim of the white terror but I do share a very deep connection with the victim's daughter because my father is a patient of schizophrenia and he wasn't actually a physical victim I would say but he has this illusion of himself under the civilians of the KMT government since I was a little girl and mm. as I grew up I realized that he was so sensitive that he could capture and absorb the fear that rooted in like everybody's mind, the fear of the dictatorship. Mm. And what do you think fear is so important in bringing light to in this movie? Okay. Yeah. Um, well, the unspeakable fear was so deeply imprinted in our memory, in our citizens' memory. And as an observer, I found that personal pain and suffer affects not only oneself, but also the people around you. For most cases, political trauma. Victims can transfer their pain and suffer to their families, um, the victim's wife, the victim's children, but their misfortune was always neglected. In the narration of our history, it's always... Um, told by men. Yeah. Yep. So therefore, I decided that I would shut the black heart from the point of view of a seven-year-old girl. And I love that you did. That's why I said like the father and the daughter. I didn't know it was exactly with you, but that is such a powerful statement because I do know as women, we're receptive beings. And so like you said, we receive the memories of that. And so I guess what was the biggest thing? I know you kind of alluded to it, but I can say it in another way, maybe, but what what do you hope people really take away from the black kite? Like if you had one thing, you'd be like, this is just what women or men or whatever it is got. What is that thing you really hope someone can walk away with? 
I guess the longing freedom as long as the longing for freedom and democracy is rooted in our mind, then we would always keep an aware uh, awareness on this issue and won't, we won't lose it. And we might be able to um, forbid ourselves to re-step into the horrible history. It's that time for the last book, hopefully uh, the last book before another book. But I will say, Tara, uh, you and Beverly got a chance to do this. It looks pretty cool. Uh, it's a feature female-led dystopian script. I can tell you right now, dystopian is all the rage. At the rate that we're going, is there any hope for us at all? Or <laughs> I mean, I would, I would like to hope that there's hope for us. Uh, yeah. I think that's that's probably one of the reasons that um, there's four of us that work together to sort of create and spearhead this project. And it, it stemmed from sort of us questioning the world that we're living in right now. Um, and we actually had written this before, like, pandemic and everything sort of happened in that sort of dystopian sense of the reality. Um, but it's all about how leaning into fantasy allows us to question our current reality and what's going on. And so this story is about a world where books are outlawed, they're banned, there, there are no books. It's all about tech and it's all about um, being accepted and posting and being involved in that kind of technology as a society to keep people in the society that they're in. And this sort of quality of Fahrenheit 451 with this idea of fantasy behind it in a never-ending story sort of idea, it's all about a girl discovering a book and seeing what, what worlds she can find because of books and how important books are. And it's just, it was fun for us um, as four women to get together and feed off of each other and what we love about creative storytelling and being women together and having a script that we need right now. <laughs> Agreed. Beverly, I, I see you <laughs> echoing her, uh, her thoughts. I am a hundred percent. I mean, we've been, um, you know, we're all four of us are moms and creators and, um, you know, so we're always finding and stealing time away to create together, which has been an amazing adventure. And to be able to hold this space of connecting these two, what seem like vastly different genres together, um, it really like fueled all of us in a really amazing way to create this beautiful script and story that we can't wait to share with everybody. Thank you all for listening to the special podcast of Best in Fest. Like us, download us, and listen to the real life experts and pros who are making films today. See you all at the movies.